So hello, my name is Christina Gadd and I'm thrilled to be here standing in for John Tomlinson on the Trainer Tools podcast and I'm equally thrilled to have a special guest on here today who has nothing to do with training or even learning and development and I'm hoping to get a fresh perspective today on what learning development could do to help the business more. So I would like to introduce to you Janet Barr from Cap Gemini. So hello Jan and how are you? Hello, Christina. Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you today. Brilliant. Great stuff. And what's the weather doing where you are? Is it sunny or is it overcast like it is in Leeds? Uh, no, it's it's a beautiful day. I'm in the Midlands, uh, just, on, just on the Shropshire border in Telford. It's a lovely day. Oh, I'm jealous, instantly jealous because it's really miserable here in Leeds. But anyway, so I wonder actually, Jan, if you wouldn't mind telling me a little bit about um, who you are um, and what you do, because I'm really interested in just getting, um, you know, a fresh perspective as to, you know, what other people do in other parts of the business. And I hope um, the Trainer Tools podcast listeners can do as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, I I am an architect. I work in uh, Capgemini UK architecture practice. I have a UK wide role. So in the UK, we are probably around about 500 architects um, across various bits of the business. Um, And I have responsibility, a wider responsibility, I guess, across about 300 of those architects. I'm from a delivery background myself so that is technical solutioning and technical delivery where I uh, work very closely with our engagement managers engagement directors to deliver solutions for our clients. That sounds like quite a big role especially with 300 people that you're responsible for so um, I mean what are your greatest challenges at the moment that you have in what you do? Yeah, I think um, so. I think I think the greatest challenges are definitely uh, the market. So the industry, the IT industry, has seen unprecedented change over the past few years in terms of how technology has moved forward. They're calling it the fourth industrial revolution. So with things like um, the introduction of cloud computing, etc., which has effectively brought IT to the masses. Um, what we're seeing is, is a big change in the way that our clients want to operate. So where they've traditionally or quite a lot of big clients have traditionally had outsourced IT provision um, from companies like Capgemini and some of the other big IT providers, they want to take much more control of that. They want to have a much better handle on what they are doing. Um, So that has changed the way in which we operate, but it's also meant that because of the changes in technology and and the land, uh, the the way the land lies out in in the business world, that we we need to advance our workforce. Um, We need to make sure that our skills are refreshed. We need to make sure that we are up to date and current with technologies to be able to talk convincingly to our clients. And I'm guessing that um, it means that you have to be a, a lot more swift in, in implementing changes in that in that way, in, in the sense that if the industry is changing rapidly, you have to as well. Is that is that fair? Yeah, that's quite right, actually. I mean, um, it, it, it's right. It, it's both right and, and a little bit odd. So 
that there is an absolute necessity to move swiftly and to move with the times. What we're seeing is is a desire to do that uh, across businesses, but they're not quite ready for it themselves. So you have this sort of um, this very strange scenario whereby you want to move at pace and and things can't quite, and you 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 know you do get stuck in, in in some ruts really, and and how things don't move forward at the pace at which you would like to see them. And so what do you do to sort of help solve that problem then or who helps you? Yeah, so to me, it's about decision making. It's about assembling the facts, gathering the information, um, working through it, understanding the the, the outside factors that can drive the decision making and then helping, you know, ourselves or the clients to come up with the right set of recommendations based on the circumstances. Um, I'm lucky enough to have some really good people in my team um, that I rely on, that I work very closely with. So some senior technical people around me that we work through through things. I, I am not a person who likes to work in isolation. I like to work as part of a team. I'm at my happiest with a white board marker and a pen or you know gathered around a screen where we can discuss things I very much like to work and operate in that regard Um, and I think it's become ever more important to have those discussions with clients about what it is that they're trying to achieve because I Mm -hmm. think in the industry we've been very guilty over the years of in an outsourcing environment of making decisions on behalf of clients um, based on what we think is the right thing to do. And it's much more important now to be closer to them and understand their perspectives. And I don't think, um, I don't think you're alone there because, you know, me coming from an L&D background, you know, I pretty much see that all over the place that, you know, we've been guilty of not asking our clients, our stakeholders enough about stuff. And, you know, you mentioned um, gathering data and, you know, that decision making is is really, really important as well. And that's one of my uh, pet subjects. And so I might park that until a little bit later, but um, definitely I want to get, get it a little bit deeper into you about um, you know decision making and gathering facts as well so um, my next question to you is that because I want to make that link between what the business is doing and what L&D is doing and you know how how is L&D helping you in in this arena you know you've got an industry that's changing rapidly Um, you've got clients who may be not ready to change sometimes quite as rapidly so how is L&D helping you in in solving some of these problems that you've got yeah so I think um you know my, my experiences with our, our L&D teams are are good ones and and they definitely are helping and supporting so I I generally lean on them for things like um getting training organized so locations um, speaking to providers ensuring that we have the right uh, level of qualified people to bring our own people up to speed I think the thing that falls back on me and my team from the business perspective is identifying what that need is um, and, and again, that's where we need to work much more closely with our L&D colleagues to ensure that that they kind of get it because, you know, we can schedule all kinds of learnings, all kinds of trainings. But if it isn't the right um, availability, if it isn't the right level, if it isn't going to tick the boxes of the things that we desperately need, then it, it, it doesn't really help us in any way. 
Yeah, and you say that um, it falls back, falls back to you to identify where the real need is. And why do you think that is? Is that um, a lack of skills in L&D or is it just because they're not close enough to the business? Or, you know, what are your thoughts about, you know, why that is? I think some of it comes back to um, the point that I made earlier about the unprecedented change um, okay. and, and the demand from end customers for specific you know, people to be certified or, or skilled in specific areas. Um, and, and we're seeing, you know, I, I've never before seen it where a client has said to me, for example, um, I'm only interested if you're going to bring me um, Amazon Web Services certified professionals. You know, I've never What's seen that, that before. Yeah. Previously, it's been about people having the right experience to do mm-hmm. the job, not necessarily a qualification. Right. Um I think that has changed over time. And, and I, if I'm honest, I think it will change back right. because my personal view is that the, the qualification is only part of it. It's, it's um, adapting and being able to actually apply what you've learned in a classroom mm-hmm. or on a, you know, on a training course to, to make it work for a client. So I think that will shift over time. But I think that's the position at the moment. Um, and I think from an from an L and D perspective, you know, so they they aren't they aren't really able to assess accurately uh, what the skills of the workforce are today, and it's much harder to predict than it's ever been about what is going to be required going forward. So what what you know what what skills and what technologies, for example, do we need to get people? Um, experienced in so when you say they can't accurately um assess what the skills are that that are needed um could you just tell me a little bit more about that jan yeah so i think you know it's an interesting one isn't it um Mm. so i think you know everybody manages somehow to keep their own personal cv um, or LinkedIn profile or bio or whatever you have up to date with what they are doing or what they are skilled in. But somehow we don't have any short way of linking that back to being able to assess what that means in terms of gaps. Okay. So I, I, I think in, in organisations, you know, the mechanisms that we use to track what people are skilled at are are not close enough to to the things that we use as individuals to promote ourselves, if you like. So is that some is that a, a lack in some technology that's missing or is it just a lack of being able to transfer that? Or what do you think is, is uh, what bridge that gap? Yeah, I think it's possibly a little bit of both, um, you know, and a recognition that that these days maybe uh, maybe a person's LinkedIn profile is their primary source. Uh, you know, we, we're almost getting to the stage where CVs are becoming a little bit irrelevant now. Right. Um, you know, people are being chased down on on LinkedIn for for roles, etc. Um, and therefore, it's in your interests to keep those things up to date and and current because that's going to get you the best. Uh, the best offers, etc. If, if you're in the market, for example. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think the days of having internal tooling where you have to kind of tick boxes that say, you know, what level of expertise you've got in in subject or, or skill X, Y, Z have gone really. And we need to get a lot smarter about using the mechanisms that that people actually use for themselves. 
And that's that's really fascinating because we hear that a lot, um, you know, in L and D generally. You know that the the world of learning has changed quite significantly. You know, if, if we want to fix anything at home, for instance, if the plumbing's broken or whatever, we go on to YouTube and we watch a YouTube video. So it's almost as if we're having to follow what the world is doing rather than dictate, you know, yeah. what the world should be doing in in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, everybody's busy. Um, you know, everybody's busy. We we live in this world of social media. We're promoting all sorts of things. Um, we we need to keep ourselves current. We need to spend time learning. So to me, you know, the key things about learning are number one, it needs to be available and accessible easily, um, without people having to search or investigate. And and that's one of the things that I am working on at the moment is trying to make. Um, trying to take away the excuses from people about about a learning experience, you know, so I didn't have time or I couldn't find what I was looking for or, um, you know, it was too difficult, etc. Trying to take away those excuses. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the point, you know, the point of us taking any of our precious time to to be filling in things that are used by a tool that assesses the, the skills of a workforce is I, I think that's a bit false, really. Yes. Yeah. Very, very interesting, absolutely fascinating. And it, it brings me back to when you mentioned about data and decision making. Is there anything really that, that you can enlighten me as to how L&D uses data and how it could use data, um, you know, to be better informed about, about things that are going on within the organisation and also with, within your industry and your clients? Yeah, so data is an, an enormously powerful thing, isn't it? And with the onset of, of AI um, and, and all of those those great things now, we know, don't we, that you can you can manipulate and 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 in, investigate information uh, so so quickly and provide you know historical trends, historical information about how things have been. Um, or, or what has happened or how, how things have been done over time. And, and it, you know, it, it's not accurate for predicting the future, but it can give you a really good view about decision making in the future. So to me, you know, the more facts that you've got about what has happened help you to make the right decisions going forward. Um, I think from an L&D perspective, you know, to me, it's all about the successes of learning experience so for example um, there's been a number of initiatives that we've run in our area uh, to try to get people skilled up um, on on various hot topic subjects etc and I think you know one of the things that that I always ask is well how successful has that been you know how how many people have accessed that information how many people have watched that video how many people have um, have responded to to um, you know to to a, a podcast or something like that, and I think you know if if we can start to gather information and and really understand how effective and and what mechanisms are the most effective for people, mm-hmm. then it becomes a much easier thing to do. You know, you talked about uh, YouTube earlier on. You know, you only have to think about things like TED Talks. They're so powerful, aren't they? Yeah, the message. Yeah. Um, and the information that they share Um, and it almost doesn't feel like learning does it you know if you watch a little 20 minute TED talk on the train home or you know just before before you head off to bed in the evening or something it doesn't feel like a learning experience it's how do we turn 
how, how do we how do we create a thirst for people that means it doesn't feel that it doesn't it doesn't feel like a learning experience almost that it, it's something that people want to do so it's almost again tapping into what are people what are people doing naturally you know in in their real lives you know in their everyday lives and um yeah just so interesting and um yeah so I mean, looking at how you would like um, L&D perhaps to be able to quantify that success that you were talking about, because there's two things that I'm picking up here from you, Jan. And one thing is that you're talking about, well, which medium is the most successful? Um, And then I don't know whether the second thing is success. What is that success? Is it is there a link to performance? Are we actually are you actually getting that link to performance or not? So, yeah, the two parts really is that is it about sort of the medium that you're looking at which is most successful to get that learning over and then is there something about linked to performance as well yeah I think it, I think it's um I think it's a bit of both so so you know performance is a tricky one isn't it I and you you touched on it just a couple of moments ago actually when you when you said about uh the learning experience needs to be an on-the-job type thing as much as possible so I think one of the biggest blockers to people developing themselves and investing in themselves is that you know People are busy, their jobs are busy, their home lives are busy, and it's trying to to balance between them. I think if you can learn on a job, it somehow doesn't feel like you are investing particularly, Mm. but we have to change it around to the point where people understand it's okay for them to invest in themselves. And it's more than okay, it's critical for themselves and for the organisation to be keeping abreast and learning and making sure that they are developing themselves in line with the market direction and industry trends, etc. So I think that's really important. Mm. Um, you know, the, the reason why I don't like performance, I mean, I like performance in, on, in, in such a way that you're describing people being higher performers if they are investing in themselves. I don't like the connotation or the link between performance and the idea that if you don't do things then you will be seen as underperforming that that to me is never going to be the right way to go about this it's got to be something that people want to do and buy into so you you talked about um it's almost about empowering people to learn and giving them permission to learn on the job and, you know, it not being something that, oh, they're caught at or whatever. So uh, currently, what, what's happening to do that, to empower people to, to learn on the job and, you know, that it's okay to stop and watch, watch a quick video or whatever just to, in, in the moment? What are, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So so that's an interesting one, actually, because it's very different in different parts of the business, um, you know, because most businesses are, are um, commercially driven organisations. It's about recoveries of people. Um, so within my part of the business, we've got um, a sort of 80 80% rule. So you will be 80% utilised and 20% of your time you will be um, expected to invest in, in development activities. Now, you know, does that work in some places? Yes. In other places, perhaps not so, where people are maybe in client side roles, it isn't respected, I guess, that that they need to have some of their time themselves to be able to invest. So it, it is a tricky one. It is a really tricky mm. one. But it's 
cultural shift, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. and back to my point earlier, where where clients are demanding certain things, and therefore they're going to have to learn over time to respect that. Um, you know, when they're buying skills from companies, there needs to be an investment behind the scenes for those people to keep themselves up to date. Yeah, because I, I read not long ago, actually, it was in a McKinsey report about the importance of, uh, you know, when people are applying for jobs and roles, that they look to see how much time and money is invested in themselves because they want it to be something in it for them as well. It's a really important factor. So it just brings me to a question about, um, you know, L&D and the future and what L&D might look like in the future. So what are your hopes? If I were to wave a magic wand, Jan, and what would you hope the L&D of the future might look like that it would be able to support the business in, in, in the best possible way? Yeah, I mean, I so so I, I talk about it from my perspective and, and the L&D links that I have specifically. Um, I think it you know needs to be a much more closely integrated part of the business um, and not something that necessarily sits on the outside so much. I think we are working to try to do that, to try and get much more closely engaged with L&D. Um, I think, you know, within parts of our business we almost need to have um lnd champions maybe or you know people who are are perhaps not fully focused but but much closer to the to the the workforce that we're trying to develop and bring up to speed that sounds very interesting and and, and i'm going to ask you this final question if there was just one thing that you wish lnd would do what would that thing be <laughs> that's a that's a tricky one actually um uh what would i wish that they would do um i, I think it is the, the 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 closer working actually I, I i wish that there was a i wish that there was an understanding of of what the business needs so i'll give you an example we've got some we've got some classroom learning scheduled um coming up this has just happened recently in, in my part of the business We've got some classroom training it's 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 over a two-week period but it's in the same month um and the challenge that we've got around that is it's great and, and and it's been agreed with the provider that that's how it's going to run but from a business perspective mm-hmm. um we can't take all of those people out for that length of time from their day jobs because things need to get done um and and you know it, it's it, it's the lack of real understanding of how the business works in trying to do some of those things that's, that needs to be fixed. Well, that's really, really valuable. And thank you so much, Jan, for giving us those insights. And it's time to sign off now. And I'm just going to thank Jan, uh, my special guest, for taking the time to drop in and chat. And thanks, of course, to John Tomlinson for, uh, for entrusting me to do this recording. So it's a goodbye from me, Janet Barr, and thank you very much for having me. Mm-hmm.